1: or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Good night. This is Rob Howe, happy to be back again with Mike Humpel from Humpel Chiropractic in North Liberty with our backer to cracker tip of the week. Mike, what do you got for us?
0: Rob, today we're talking about tech neck, or some people call it text neck. You know, we, many of us have smartphones now, or especially with the with COVID pandemic, we're at home working on computers. So we've got that technology in front of us. And that tends to lead us to slouching and, and hunching over and looking down, those kinds of things. Neck pain, headaches develop, back pain develops. So the four tips to avoid tech neck, I would say, number one, just sit in a neutral position where your ears are over top of your shoulders. Don't allow your head to fall forward and ears get out over in front of your shoulders. So it helps you sit up straight, ears over the shoulders. Number two, hold your phone at eye level when you're using your phone. It may seem a little awkward at first, but if you can bring just bring your phone up so your head doesn't have to go down, that will also assist you in keeping your ears over your shoulders, keeping that more neutral posture. And number three, if you wanna look down at your device, try not to bend your head and neck down. Instead, look down with your eyes. Okay, our eyes can move too, and they can help limit the amount of motion um, and forward bend we put in our neck and heads. And then, lastly, just try to avoid using, uh, uh, avoid spending too much time using your device, um, and just do, do take frequent breaks. We all know we're going to use them, use them frequently. You know, we'll tell our kids, you know, shouldn't be on that device when we're probably on it twice as much as they are sometimes. So, just just, just try to put the phone down, put the technology down. And give yourself frequent breaks if you can. And that'll really help improve your overall comfort, improve your posture, and reduce the amount of headaches or neck pain that you get from sitting at your work computer or being on your phone.
1: I think a lot of people are shaking their head yes right now and relating to what that tip of the week covered. And if you'd like to get more information from Mike and check his business out at Humple Chiropractic, you can check him out at humplechiropractic.com. Give him a call at 319. 319- 325 3558, and they are located at 1295 Jordan Street, Suite 6B in North Liberty, Iowa. 522 or excuse me, 52317. Hey, hey, it's a latest edition of the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe. Happy to uh, answer your questions again that you guys have sent in. We are, uh, what is today? Today is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, the 25th of November, I guess. Recording this about 11 a.m. Central Time on November 25th. Wishing you guys all a very happy and safe holiday. I think those words have extra meaning this year with what uh, we've gone through uh, in 2020. Uh, if I'm going to make a statement about Thanksgiving, it's going to be that uh, cranberry sauce is trash. It's disgusting, especially the kind that comes in the cans and is uh, gelatinized, if that's a word. Stuff is disgusting. I don't like sweet potatoes either, but I don't have a strong as strong an opinion on them as I do on cranberry sauce, which just is disgusting. So. To each his own. If you like cranberry sauce, have at it. It's, uh, as I said, it's been a year where uh, I think we all deserve to um, enjoy Thursday and Thanksgiving with the family that we can be around. Please be safe in doing so. Let's jump into um, your questions. Just a reminder uh, I will play basketball today, 3 p.m. Central time against North Carolina Central, who had a bit of a scare with COVID, but has, uh, has overcome that, I guess, and has made the trip and is here in Iowa City, a very rainy Iowa City. I'm, I'm thankful, if I'm thankful for something this week, it's that the rain we've had in Iowa City the last two days has been rain and not snow and ice. So thankful for that. The basketball team will then play again on Friday at 4 p.m. Central time. Again, these games are at Carver. No fans. Uh, That would be against Southern. This is an MTE. Southern and North Carolina Central will play on Thursday on Thanksgiving at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. have no idea what time that is, and you can't go anyway, and I doubt it's on TV. It's going to happen, but it's going to almost be like it's not happening other than to those two teams and their fan bases. And then noon on Friday, noon. These are all Central Time. Iowa will play host to rival Nebraska in the Heroes game for the Heroes Trophy. Iowa winners of five straight in that series and favored by a pair of touchdowns against the Huskers. Iowa winners of three in a row. That game will be on Fox. The two basketball games will be on Big Ten Network. So it's getting you prepared for those. And uh, the women, women's basketball plays um, Northern Iowa today, November 25th. I believe that's at 630 at Carver Hawkeye Arena. And you're going to need Big Ten Plus to be able to view that. You know, I will, uh, I'll take the high road on the Big Ten Plus. I think uh, it's a disservice to those student athletes, especially during a pandemic. Um, So whatever. E at NBA underscore fan underscore 2014 asks on Twitter, frequent uh, contributor to this podcast, which I appreciate. Who will be this season's MVPs in football and basketball? And basketball, he has a parenthetical reference besides Garza. That's probably a good stipulation or caveat in this question because I think most people. Uh, that have watched Iowa basketball recently, as particularly last year, would would <laughs> overwhelming favorite would be Luca Garza to be the team MVP and potentially uh, the favorite to be the national player of the year. And won some of those awards last year as national player of the year. Let's start with basketball and then we'll get into football. Basketball, we haven't seen anything yet, but uh, MVP on the team. Good question. I hadn't really thought about that leading into this. So this is off the top of my head. I will go with Joe Wieskamp. Uh, I think he's an all Big Ten caliber player. I think he's a guy that could potentially be drafted next year. Uh, I know there are some folks in the fan base that are down on Joe. Uh, He had some struggles at the end of last season before it was shut down for COVID. But he is an exceptionally good player, very well-rounded player on both ends of the floor. Got muscled up a little last year. I'll say a lot. Teams got physical with him, impeded his movement, Um, things that he relies upon to be successful, movement without the basketball. Teams were getting away with things they probably shouldn't have got away with. You hope it now that he's a junior, he'll get the benefit of the doubt on some of those calls. Maybe he needs a little, be a little bit more uh, animated when he's getting held and pointing it out to the referees a little bit more. Hopefully Fran does as well. But I think it would, it would uh, help Joe's cause if he was a little bit more, you know. And he's been around for a couple of years now. I think he has a little bit more cred with the referees to maybe go to them and say, hey, this guy's grabbing and clutching and holding onto my jersey and doing different things that we saw last year that uh, opponents got away with, and and credit to the opponents. If they're going to get away with holding him up and clutching and grabbing, continue to do it until you you get called for it. But I think Joe has a really good junior season. I think he's poised for a breakout. I think he's a little bit more comfortable now not only as a leader of this team, but just with his game. I think he's highly motivated. Uh, And that's saying something on this team to say that, okay, I'm going to put him as the number two player, because I think you have a solid candidate in Jordan Bohannon. I think you have a solid candidate in Connor McCaffrey. I think you have a solid candidate in CJ Frederick. Um, I think Jack Nunji has a chance when he gets back from dealing with heartbreak his dad Mark passing away this past weekend condolences to Jack and his family. I can't even imagine. Uh, hopefully Jack can can get and, you know, maybe there's some solace. Uh, solace is the right word. Maybe can get away from, you know, the, the, the sorrow, maybe by getting on the basketball floor, maybe a little bit of a distraction. It's always going to, it's going to weigh on him. There's no doubt about that, but maybe out there with his brothers on the court will be a nice way for him to maybe escape the sorrow, at least for a couple hours, you know, at a time. So hopefully he comes back as soon as he's ready and contributes to this team. But uh, for me at NBA fan, I'm going to go with Joe Wieskamp and I feel pretty comfortable about that in terms of, Football, I'm going to break this into offense, defense, and special teams rather than one overall MVP. I'm going to take liberty to do that myself because I think all three phases have been really good for Iowa this year, and I think it's why Iowa is winners of three in a row, three convincing victories over Michigan State, Minnesota, and Penn State, two of those coming on the road. Excuse me. I think being playing complimentary football, you've heard me talk about that before you've heard, you know, the Iowa players and coaches talk about that and it's so important. So from an offensive standpoint, you know, I, you can go in a, in, in a number of directions here. Uh, I think Sam Laporte has been really good at tight end and, and been a great sa- safety valve for Spencer Petras in his first year as a starter I think Tyler Goodson and Makai Sargent have been tremendous. I think Alaric Jackson's been really good. I think uh, Cole Banwart has been really good. I think the receivers have been underrated as blockers. They're not getting as much volume in the passing game, but just been tremendous and a big part of why Iowa's rushed for 211 yards on average during this three-game winning streak. That doesn't happen without blocking from guys like Amir Smith-Marset, Tyrone Tracy, Nico Regani, and Brandon Smith. But my guy's Tyler Linderbaum. It all starts in the middle. I think he his ability to um, engineer, to lead, to vocalize what's going on up front with the offensive line cannot be understated. I think the importance is great. And just from a physical standpoint, he is so good in terms of the run game and blocking. He just does not get beat. Occasionally, uh, somebody will get the best of him, but for the most part, making the calls, getting the offensive line where it needs to be, and just out and out being a great football player. For me, it's Tyler Linde- Linderbaum on the offensive front. Defensively, I think you have you know I think you have candidates in Jack Kerner at safety. Matt Hankins has been really good at cornerback. Um, I think Seth Benson has really helped since he got healthy and, and back into the lineup. Nick Neiman has been tremendous at linebacker. I think Chauncey Golston's play has been underrated, very good at setting the edge and just being a sound, fundamentally good football player. Zach Van Valkenburg has been a revelation and really has stepped in and plugged that gap that A.J. Epinesa left. When he went to the NFL early, Jack Heflin has been everything you wanted as a graduate transfer from Northern Illinois. This defense is that good, 2.6 yards per carry on average. They're allowing best in the Big Ten, uh, not giving up big plays, Think the longest run last week was maybe nine or 10 yards and they don't, those don't happen very often against Iowa's defense. You're going to have to have a lot of candidates when you play that well on that side of the football, but Davion Nixon is the man. Um, you know, it's great that he got the 71 yard interception return for a touchdown last week. Uh, he's a fun guy to interview. He's a fun guy to listen to. He's a fun guy to be around when we are allowed to be around him. But beyond all that, he's a really, really good football player. And without him, he takes this defensive line to that next level. Three Oh six, three, three Oh five athletic, um, you know, disruptive, smart, uh, his play is infectious. And I think that's kind of been what has led this defensive surge, and an improvement this year with replacing four guys that are currently on NFL rosters as rookies that were on last year's g- defense in Geno stone, Christian Welch, uh, AJ Epinesa. And who am I missing? Oh, Michael Ojemudia. So, you know, that was a lot to replace and Iowa really hasn't missed a beat and and may have a better defense this year than it had last year. And I think a lot of that goes, Uh, A credit goes to Davion Nixon and his play. He's really, really taken his game to the next level, and it'll be interesting to see what happens after the season because I think he's going to have a decision to make, as will Tyler Linderbaum as a third-year sophomore. I think both of those guys have a chance to go early in next year's NFL draft if they so choose, and that will be a decision they will have to make after the season. And then from a special team standpoint, Keith Duncan hasn't been as good as he was last year, but he's still very good and very reliable. Amir Smith-Marset missed the game, but has been good when he's returning kicks and had an opportunity to do so. Charlie Jones, again, another revelation in the punt returning game was Big Ten special teams player of the week already this season. He is a guy just with incredible instincts to play that position, which you need. But Torrey Taylor at punter is, uh, you know, an opportunity to be an all Big Ten performer. I think so far he is the special teams MVP. And just, you know, early in that season when Iowa was kind of finding its way he kept them in games and he still has that ability when he does get a chance to punt. And it hasn't been important in the last three weeks, but when Iowa gets in a tight game again, he's an incredible weapon to have. So thank you for the question, NBA fan. I took the Liberty, as I said, to name three uh, offense, defense and special teams, MVPs for football. Hopefully that's okay with you. If I was picking one guy on this team, as an MVP, for all phases, and you know the the number one guy for me, it's Tyler Linderbaum for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Cubman on Twitter, it's at Paul Rules One on Twitter. Um, haven't I don't remember having a question from you, Cubman, but I appreciate you contributing to this podcast. Uh, enjoy your takes on Twitter and. Cubman says, "Hey, Rob, I'm not ripping Petrus, but as a hypothetical, would this Iowa offense look what would this Iowa law offense look like with Brock Purdy under center? It's a really interesting question. Obviously, Purdy is tremendous talent. Um, he's had his his rocky moments this year, but kind of it, it's the opposite of what Iowa went through. Iowa had quite a bit of experience." Throughout its offense, with the exception of Petrus, it was the other way around for Purdy. He was, he was working with a lot of inexperience on his offense, even though he was experienced. And I think in both cases, those offenses have grown as experience, as players on those offenses have gained experience. And I think Petrus is getting better week to week. And I'm interested to see what he's able to do in these last three games. Purdy would obviously be an upgrade at this juncture in time, his ability to use his legs, which he doesn't have to do a lot. I think it's more moving the pocket, avoiding pass rush, uh, extending plays, you know, going off script a little bit more off schedule, if you will. He has that ability to extend plays um, and, and, and the one real knock you have on Petrus at this point is not being able to hit that long ball. I think Purdy would give Iowa a little bit better chance, at least right now, at being able to do that. Uh, yeah, with an experienced quarterback with this offense, uh, I think that would probably be the missing piece. It's just a matter of now can Spencer Petrus take that next step and, you know, get better over time. And I think he does have that ability. I think eventually the game will slow down for him. It's still moving a little quickly, but I think Purdy would better be able to utilize at this point the talents of guys like Tyron Tracy and Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset. But until Petrus gets to the point where the coaches feel comfortable with him doing that, and defenses sell out to take away Iowa's run, and then by selling out are capable of doing so, then we'll see more from Petrus, and we'll need to see more from Petrus. But uh, defenses would have a lot more trouble game planning for a Brock Purdy than they do for a Spencer Petrus right now. So it would look better, Cubman, without question. Um, but I have hopes that Spencer Petrus will be able to. At least close that gap between where he is right now and Brock Purdy is. But this is Brock Purdy's third season. This is Spencer Petrus's first season without a normal off season. So I'm going to give him a little bit leeway. And I know you're not ripping P- Petrus, as you mentioned in your tweet. But it's a, definitely an interesting. Where would Iowa State be with Spencer Petrus, and where would Brock Purdy be, or where would Iowa be with Brock Purdy? I think it probably changes the complexions of both teams, although both have a very good running game and, and tremendous running backs. When you talk about Brees Hall, Tyler Goodson, and Makai Sargent, and even Ivory Kelly-Martin. So thank you for the question, Cubman. I appreciate that. Um, Daniel Schneider at Cosmo Doggy Dog, another uh, regular contributor to this podcast, asks, is there any way we get an Iowa ISU bowl game? I tweeted this out during Iowa's game at Penn State and uh while simultaneously switching over and watching Iowa State destroy Kansas State in Farmageddon and just kind of hypothetically tweeted out that I would love to see Iowa and Iowa State play this season. That's one of the um, biggest gut punches of this college football season that we don't get the Cyhawk game, particularly this season when both teams look to be pretty good and, and could, I just, you know, from what we've seen to this point, particularly the last three weeks looks like it would be a tremendous battle. And uh, it's unfortunate that we won't see that during the regular season. Is there a chance that they could play in the postseason? There's always a chance. Um, I think with, How you look at this, Iowa State's 12th in the college football rankings in position for a New Year's Six Bowl, depending on how it closes out its season. Iowa's 24th, far away from a New Year's Six Bowl and likely will not get up that high. Uh, Even with wins in these last three games, you're dealing with Northwestern, who likely will win out, Ohio State, which will likely win out. Those two teams will play in the Big Ten Championship the winner going to the playoff, the loser going to New Year's 6. I suppose there could be a third team in New Year's, New Year's 6 for the Big Ten, just not as likely, and right now that would more likely be Indiana. Uh, Iowa, I guess, would have an outside chance if it could win out and then beat Indiana in Game 9 if they were matched up together. Perhaps could push push itself. I believe they need to be in the top 12. Could be top 14 if you're – a um, I can't remember exactly what the rules are and don't have them in front of me, but obviously New Year's Six would be the best chance for those teams because you could match them up in a game like that, but I don't see that happening just because I think was on the outside looking in with those two losses uh, of getting into the New Year's Six. So then you go to which um, bowl games are affiliated and tie in with the Big Ten and the Big 12. And there used to be more games between the Big Ten and the Big 12 in terms of tie-ins, but there aren't now. And really the only one uh, that you look at is the Cheez-It Bowl, which takes place in at Chase Field in Phoenix. I believe this was formerly the Insight Bowl, and we saw Iowa play Missouri and Oklahoma in back-to-back years, in this game after the 2010 and 2011 seasons. But if you look at this from last year, Washington state played air force because there was not a big 12 rep in that game. Uh, Not enough bowl eligible teams this year. Everybody's bowl eligible. It'll be interesting to me to see how these bowl games choose their teams. Somebody like Iowa Which normally is very attractive because of the way it travels, that is not a factor this year because the likelihood of fans being allowed in any type of capacity. You may get friends and family, very limited 10, 15% capacity in a stadium. That's not going to motivate a bowl to choose a school like Iowa in a normal year when Iowa travels very well and helps the economy in the city that hosts that bowl. I think there's going to be more emphasis put on television rankings. So that is something that will factor into bowl selection. The one thing I think is going to be hard to predict, like I said, that cheese it Bowl is the only one with, with you know, the natural contract contracted contracts, I should say, that tie the Big Ten and, and and Big 12 into a bowl game. But there could be a lot of trading this year. Um, there could be, you know, uh, just uh, more of a, um, you know, regional emphasis maybe to try to attract more viewers i'm interested to see how this whole bowl game play bowl situation plays out for tv because that's really what it's going to be based on and i would think that an iowa iowa state game would certainly bring a decent amount of eyeballs particularly in this region but how does that play overall nationwide probably not great but You know, I think it's more of a wait-and-see approach. I would not put the odds very high, though, that we will see an Iowa versus Iowa State bowl game. It's just just a lot of moving parts that would need to happen for us to see that. But I appreciate that question, Daniel, and I'm with you. I'm going to have my fingers crossed that somehow, some way, we see Iowa-Iowa State 2020 in a bowl game. Sit down at love. The Hawks checks in with a, and he says he's got a David, David Hasselhoff Baywatch avatar. Not sure what's going on with that one. A lot of big David Hasselhoff fans out there though. So not that I am one of them. I'm not. Uh, I'm more of a Knight Rider, David Hasselhoff than a Baywatch, David Hasselhoff. So be that neither here nor there, not a question. But can you, can you and Scott Doctorman share more funny stories about the worst Iowa sports years in each pod? <laughs> You're funny. How do you spell error slash error? That's E R A slash E R R O R of the Licklider years had me literally LOL. Appreciate the 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 kind words. Uh, sit down and and appreciate you listening. To the Hawkeye hotspot podcast that we do weekly Scott and I and we will be recording that this afternoon actually we're gonna hit you with a double dose of Wednesday podcast we normally record record that on Thursday uh, but we're going to take the holiday off to be with our family so look for that on the feed as well as this mailbag podcast uh, on Wednesday November the 25th we will have that up a little bit later today um, yeah, thinking about the Licklider years is fun, but you don't want to look into the sun too often with that one. It'll, it'll burn your eyes and, and retinas out. And um, just unfortunate, the Todd Licklider years. Who knows, maybe in a parallel universe that would have worked out, but just not a good fit. And we talk about coaches in certain you know, coaches and universities that match up and are good fits. That's the, to me, the number one key to success. You have to obviously have a talented coach and a university with the resources to take advantage of said talent, but you also need it to be a good fit. I would say Steve Alford was not a good fit here. Uh, I would say that Todd Licklider was not a good fit here. Fran McCaffrey has proven to be a good fit here. Kirk Ferentz has been a good fit here. Uh, Hayden Fry was a good fit here. Tom Davis was a good fit here. So you look at it that way, that usually leads into the longevity of coaches. Todd, Todd Licklider is a good coach and has success elsewhere, was not a good fit here and sit down. I cannot promise you that we're going to share funny stories of bad Iowa sports seasons on each podcast, Uh, but we'll do our best to accommodate you. Uh, Let's see here. Mel David at Mel David three, my puzzle partner checks in with, I realized that Football, basketball, wrestling are the things you and other reporters report on the most, but why don't you and others report more on Iowa women's basketball? They are important, too, and really good. I figure fourth in money makers for UI. I believe you're right, and that term is somewhat different because they do not make money. The revenue-generating sports are football and men's basketball. They make money for the university, and they also make money that's used to support the other sports. And I'm very much for that. Uh, I think wrestling, I think women's basketball, baseball, track, uh, rowing, gymnastics. um, I I was going to say swimming and tennis, but we will stay away from that. Obviously those sports are lost in part because they're, is less revenue coming in for men's and women's or or men's basketball and football. And that costs those sports. We do, I I guess the best way I can explain this Mel is we only have a certain amount of resources. I can take this back to when I worked at the press citizen, uh, the Iowa city press citizen from 97 to 2003. At that point, we had the ability and a large enough sports staff where we could staff all of those sports. There was a time where we staffed home and away for women's basketball, wrestling, men's basketball, and football. We covered those teams home and away, definitely for men and women's basketball, or excuse me, men's basketball and football. Most of the women's basketball and most of the wrestling, uh, there were times where we didn't travel if it was, you know, a non-conference game in California or Florida or something like that. We might not get to it, but, um, for the most part, we covered home and away, especially when it was in the conference season. I think it's the same for most outlets, media outlets. They don't have the the resources to do it anymore. And if you look at, you know, I work at Hawkeye Nation. Uh, we don't have the resources. We're not covering road football games this year. We're not covering road basketball games this year. Um, we just don't have the resources to do that. So... You know, it's. I think it's a, a product of what's happening in the media industry, and it's funny for people to talk about. You know, for some people, it's funny to say fake news, the media sucks. But when you turn around on that and say, well, you know, I'm not a fan of the of the press and the media, then you can't say, well, why aren't the, Why isn't this being covered? It's all together, and uh, it, it's all part of the same business so that's kind of where we are right now I will say that two years ago I made this decision for Hawkeye Nation instead of going to believe it was Columbus for Iowa Cincinnati in the men's basketball tournament and then Iowa played Tennessee to overtime uh, in the round of 32 I chose to stay back in Iowa City and cover the women the women's basketball team Megan Gustafson's last season at Carver Hawkeye arena. I chose to cover the women's basketball team over the men's basketball team that season. Now I'm not going to lie to you. I, I had a feeling that the Iowa women's chances of making it to the sweet 16 were better than the men's chances. And that played out that way, but the men still got a very impressive win over Cincinnati, a team it was an underdog against, and then came back and almost knocked off Tennessee, which was heavily favored to beat Iowa. But in that season, I chose the Iowa women. I try to get to um, some Iowa women's games every year. Uh, When there was media day a few weeks ago, I went and covered that and posted um, uh, content from Lisa Bluner's press conference. I think at least I can only speak from Hawkeye Nation. I think the coverage we give wrestling and women's basketball is is fair compared to the page views and the interest levels we have which are heavily skewed towards football and men's basketball. Though you know if we covered more wrestling and women's basketball than we did those sports we wouldn't be in business. You have to go with what te- what the customer is most interested in, but we also do a good job of covering those other sports when we can. I wish we could cover every wrestling and women's basketball game. We can't just, we we can't just can't justify that as a business race right now based on our resources. So that's kind of where we're at with that Mel. And I appreciate it. I appreciate you're a women's basketball fan. I am a women's basketball fan. I watch with my daughters um, and it's something I am interested in. And I wish more people were interested in, but I can't make them be more interested in it. So that's kind of what it is. Uh, Brian Finley at B Finley UI, uh, a friend of mine, and I know this is probably going to be a joke. And I kind of read over this quickly before I came on, take 100 runs of sandwiches. And for the uninitiated, a runs of sandwich is, I think a loose meat type sandwich that, uh, is popular in Nebraska. I have never had one, uh, thought about it once place was closed. Didn't really lose any sleep over it. Uh, I don't know. I've heard people that like them and other people who don't, I think it is Nebraska's answer to the made right. And, uh, obviously you have fans that will, uh, love the made right. Just like you have fans that will love the Runza. uh, all right, so back to Brian's que- Brian's question or comment. Take 100 runs of sandwiches, leave them alone in a room with a dry erase board. Could they develop a more coherent offensive game plan than Scott Frost? Um, no, they couldn't, but I don't know how much worse it would be. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and, and really, and, and you know this, Brian, I know you're joking, and I appreciate you checking in and wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, You know, you look at it, and Nebraska has been able to move the football. They have scored points under Scott Frost in his last three years. They can't defend anybody. They're giving up 223 yards a game on the ground, uh, which is, I think, the second most in the Big Ten other than Maryland. They can't get off the field defensively. They're allowing opponents to convert on third down 54% of the time. That is astonishing. That's an astonishing number. When you can't get your defense off the field 54% of the time on third down, it's, it's a miracle they beat Penn State. And, then conversely, as an offense, they're only converting 34% of their third down opportunities, which I believe is also last in the Big Ten. So it's not only not playing consistently on both sides of the ball, it's not playing consistently when it's most important and putting yourself in position where you can't convert those and allowing teams to convert those third downs. So a lot of work to do there. I don't see Iowa losing on on Friday. Uh, I've been wrong on that before. Um, If it was a pick 'em game, I certainly would put a lot of money on Iowa. I'm not one to gamble much these days. It's a two-touchdown game, and in a rivalry game, I'll stay away from that. I don't know if Scott Frost is the, is the answer. What he did at Central Florida at more of a quote-unquote mid-major group of five level school with the Oregon offense, I think it was still um, fresh enough and effective enough to work there as it did at Oregon. Uh, It's not working for – it didn't work for Chip Kelly after the first year and a half with the Eagles. It's not working consistently at UCLA. It's not working here with Nebraska. I'm not sure what is going on with that offense, but it's probably one that needs to be tweaked to, again, be able to catch the defense off guard or be effective. It's just not effective right now. And, man, it doesn't look good for Scott Frost. Maybe he turns it around. but he's obviously PJ Fleck has done a better job than he has. And PJ Fleck's also having a tough year at Minnesota, but I don't think it's close if you compare where the two guys are right now with their programs. And I don't think you could say that one program had more talent than the other going into their rebuild projects. And I would say Nebraska had more talent than Minnesota did. So we'll see how it goes for Scott Frost. I I certainly think, He is safe this year, the COVID year, and probably gets five years total, but he's got to start winning. Uh, Pat Hardy, at Pat Hardy, uh, who seems to be contributing to this podcast each week, which I appreciate, uh, usually with an off-brand question. Again, today with an off-brand question. Uh, Roger Waters or Randy Quaid talking politics? Question mark. Neither. Death, I would take. Or... I I would probably take a beating, maybe Mike Tyson punching me in the face before, you know, if I had to pick between the two, listening to one of those guys talk politics or taking a shot in the head from Tyson, it would be quicker and I I think overall less painless just to take the punch from in the face from Iron Mike than to have to listen for any extended period of time for either one of those guys talking politics. I think we're both I think we're all uh you know burned out on political talk this year. Uh, Certainly important, certainly important time in our country. uh, But uh, I don't really need to listen to either one of those two talking politics anytime soon. Uh, Let's see here. I think that might be all the questions for the week, which is fine. A little bit shorter mailbag podcast today is certainly uh, solid. And maybe you guys can listen to it in the car, riding around, getting those last-minute items for your Thanksgiving, uh, even if it is cranberry sauce, which is, again, trash. Um, But I wish everybody out there a very happy and safe Thanksgiving. Again, Scott Doctorman and I will be recording our Hawkeye Hotspot podcast today. So you'll have that in the feed along with this mailbag podcast. So you will not get something fresh on Thanksgiving Day. But then we will be back again on Friday uh, with the rapid review podcast following the Nebraska and Iowa football game. We will slide a little basketball talk in that one as well. And Scott and I will talk a little basketball today uh, in the hotspot podcast. So Thank you guys again for listening. Thank you for the questions. Have a happy and safe Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you on the other side.